everyone go to bed now. <laughs> How good. That was beautiful. Thank you, team. I just have to, I have to say that there is a sensitivity. I feel like God gave us, has given us musicians that are sensitive to the Holy Spirit. All of them. All of them. <laughs> and when he is like, dial it back and just be quiet. I just feel like he meets us in that place. And uh, it's very precious. It's very precious. So I'm very grateful for musos, musos all around the room. <laughs> okay. Um, I need to get rid of my chewing gum because I'm going to chew in the doodad. Can I use my notes? <laughs> okay, if you want a pass that's real, this is the church for you. <laughs> Alrighty. Now I've gone old school today because my that, my um, computer was dead. But anyway, does it not blow your mind? Just I just want you to think about this for a minute. Does it blow your mind that God's plan for humanity, for every single one of you and me and everybody that's not in this room, His plan is beautiful for humanity. If you just think about what he has set in place and you think about the things that God has orchestrated for us to be connected to Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit, it is beautiful. And I, I just have had some time to reflect on this lately and I just think it's to go back to basics that his plan, his story, is we're part of it. And I don't, know, I don't know all of your stories here, but I know that he will do whatever it takes to draw us into relationship with him. Whatever it takes. Nothing is too hard for him. He is not like me with my little arms that can only reach certain things. <laughs> he is able to reach further, wider, deeper than we ever could because his love is so profound. And I just find that mind-blowing. And I love it. And um, what I want to talk about today is, it's really interesting, Mark, that you started off with what you started off with, and I feel like God was so in on that. Um, because I actually want to talk about us playing our part. Now, I am not speaking about getting on a roster. I am not speaking about works. I'm not speaking about good deeds. I'm speaking about us playing the part that we've been called to play. So go with me with that framework, okay? Not, not, I'm not going to preach this message to say, do better, be better, do more, be more. I'm, that's not in this at all. It is about us recognising that we need to play our part. And that's a groovy little ring tune there. <laughs> um, there are countless stories in the Bible, countless stories from around the world, since the beginning of time, of people who have walked in the presence of God and have played their part and they've experienced the glory of God in that. If you just took a moment, I can guarantee that if you took a moment and you've been in a church setting for more than five minutes, you would know some stories where you see heroes of the faith 
that are running with God, that are doing what he asks them to do. And, you know, we often hear about these heroes. We've got Abraham, Elijah, Elisha, Deborah, Noah. These are just a few of them. Joseph, Moses, Peter, Paul, Mary. They're heroes. They're big names. They're the big, big ticket item people. They stepped into what God asked of them. Some of them took a little while. Some of them fought it a bit. But they stepped into what God had asked them to do and played their part. And I reckon if we had them in this room, they would be all, there would be all sorts of opinions. They would all have different ways of doing things. And we would see probably just the same as we see in this room. What did you call us? Motley Crew. <laughs> Life, Lifeway Church, the Motley Crew. Let's have a tagline. Um, so some of, these, some of these heroes of the faith, they are well known. But there are others who are not well known. And, you know, sometimes we hear... If you think about movies, um, you know, you have the big name actors and then you have the sidekicks, <laughs> the ones that people kind of go, oh, I think I know them, but I mm, can't remember the name. I've seen them in something, don't know what. Um, yes, yeah, supporting roles, that's right. That's probably a nicer way than saying sidekicks. But anyway, but they're not the main event. They're not the main event. But it got me thinking. It got me thinking about it because I was like, the Bible is full of stories. If the Bible was only about the big name heroes, it would only be this big, right? But it's not. So the sidekicks are important. But actually, is there even a thing of a sidekick in the kingdom? Is there? I don't think so. I don't think so. Because God sees every single one of us as important. Every single one of us. None of us are the sidekicks. How good is that? I hope you all believe that. You are not a sidekick, okay? So the title of this message is Let's All Play Our Part. And there is a balance between us seeing that we are an important part of God's story, but also that we are a tiny part of God's story. There's a tension there between recognizing that we are important in his story, but actually we're only a tiny part of his story. And there is a, that's a healthy te tension to hold. Otherwise, one gives us a big head and the other one makes us think we're not, we don't matter, right? So I want to ask you this. Do you actually believe that all of us here, and I want you to actually seriously ask yourself this question, do you believe that all of us here have a part to play in his story, history, God's story? Just think on it for a little bit. I think so. But actually, we're going to journey through this a little bit, and we're going to hear about some people who you might relate to. You might actually hear about them and say, hmm, I can resonate with that. So we have these big heroes of the faith. But in this big book of names, and there are a lot of names in the Bible. I mean, you've only got to read some of those genealogies. This one begat this one begat this one. There's lots of names. But in this big book of names, there are ones and twos, always made up of ones and twos, who didn't have big upfront roles. They weren't the big ticket item people. And some of them whose names are not even remembered. Some of them, their names aren't even known. And yet, 
They are important to God. And they are important to his story. So I've, I do have some of these up on the screen. So you're going to have to go with me. I'm doing a little bit of a journey with the story, okay? So the first one is Exodus 18, 13 to 27. I hope. <laughs> if not, you're just going to have to hear me read. Oh, here we go. So... The next day, Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people. This is the people of Israel. There's a lot of them. They've come out of um, Egypt. And, you know, they're having their moments where they're whinging and complaining and then other moments where they're feeling good. But, so Moses is the head honcho. He's heading it up. So he took his seat to serve as judge for the people and they stood around him from morning till evening. Now, just let's stop there. How many people have read that sentence? before. I reckon there's quite a few in this room. Now, if you ever have a long day and you feel exhausted, think about poor Moses. (laughs) They stood around him from morning till night. That is a lot of interaction, even for an extrovert, which I am. I would find that challenging. (laughs) Now, when his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, what is this you are doing for the people? Why do you alone alone sit as judge while all these people stand around you from morning till evening and Moses answered him because the people come to me to seek God's will whenever they have a dispute it is brought to me and I decide between the parties and I inform them of God's decrees and instructions so Moses father-in-law replied what you are doing is not good he did not hold back there did he what you are doing is not good You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Listen to me and I will give you some advice. And may God be with you. I like that he added that. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. Teach them his decrees and instructions and show them the way they are to live and how they are to behave. But select select capable men from all the people, men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain, And appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties and tens. Have them serve as judges for the people at all times. But have them bring every difficult case to you. The simple cases they can decide themselves. That will make your load lighter because they will share it with you. If you do this and God so commands, you will be able to stand the strain and all these people will go home satisfied. Moses listened to his father-in-law, wise man, and did everything he said. He chose capable men from all Israel and made them leaders of the people, officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties and tens. They served as judges for the people at all times, the difficult cases they brought to Moses, but the simple ones they decided themselves. So Moses was running himself a bit ragged and he couldn't necessarily see a way to do this differently. Maybe not his gifting. But Jethro gave him some advice. It was practical advice. That's very practical, right? Sit the people down, appoint some people who are going to actually be able to look after thousands, hundreds, tens, and let them look after it. That's very practical advice. There's no super spiritual thing there. But the difficult cases let them bring to you because he recognised still on Moses there was an anointing to be the leader. But he gave him some smart and godly solutions to a logistical problem. Sometimes we read the Bible and we think about it in this 
really big, super spiritual way. And it is a very spiritual book. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it's not. But there are some real practical things in here where God's like, God uses people and their giftings to say, you could do this a better way. I mean, how many of you know, know people that are like, you could do... Actually, Emma is like this with me. I'm going to throw you under the bus a bit, but that's okay. So sometimes I... Well, many of you know me, and I'm not wired necessarily <laughs> logistically or even practically, maybe. Um, but Emma will just nut down questions. She's like, what about if you do it this way? Or what have you thought about that? And to me, that is really valuable. It could be anything. But it's very valuable because it takes thoughts that are here or things I want to see happen, but I don't know how to get from here to there. And Dave does a bit the same, although we communicate a bit differently, but you do do the same. And we need people in our world like that. Maybe you are a Jethro. Maybe you are someone that actually is not the Moses up front, even though Moses didn't want to be there. You might not be the Moses up front. I've got the staff, everyone following. You might be the Jethro that says, you know what? There's a better way to do this. God is interested in all of us using our gifts. And we were having this conversation the other day. Sometimes we read in the Bible and we look at the gifts and we see the list and we try and squish ourselves into some of the list. But actually, what God is asking of us to do is to play our part, be who we are, who he's created us to be, and use that for his kingdom. It's pretty simple, actually. All right, let's move on. So the next story. So if you are a Jethro, give advice in love, keeping glory to giving glory to God, but give your advice because you actually may turn something around. Jethro didn't, you don't actually hear much about Jethro after that. That was kind of it. It was like his appearance. And yet that shifted everything for the people of Israel. It was huge, huge shift for them. So if you're a Jethro, share your valuable insight okay the next one I'm going to read you is from Exodus 35 now you have to go with me I've practiced these names but I'm not great with names why they couldn't be called Bill and Ted it would be so much easier (laughs) but it's Bezalel and (laughs) Oholiab now you know why I had to practice it I might just say B and O oh no that sounds terrible (laughs) let's not do that Bezalel and Oholiab okay So Moses had been given instruction to build a tabernacle, right? A place of worship for God. So he needed to find people to build it. He needed to find people that were going to help him. So Exodus 35, this is 30 to 35. Then Moses said to the Israelites, See, the Lord has chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And he has filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills. Now just wait for the next bit. To make artistic designs for work in gold, silver and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood and engage in all kinds of artistic crafts. I'm just going to stop there for a second. That doesn't sound real spiritual, right? (laughs) And yet, this is his part to play in God's story. What a beautiful gift. I'm thinking, I bet he made some amazing rings. (laughs) Verse 34. And he has given both him and Aholiab, son of... Oh, I forgot about that one. Ahishthamak, 
of the tribe of Dan, the ability to teach others. The ability to teach others. He has filled them with skill to do all kinds of work as engravers, designers, embroiderers in blue, purple and scarlet yarn and fine linen and weavers, all of them skilled workers and designers. Isn't that amazing? Then we jump quickly to verse, 30, uh, verse 2 in chapter 36. Then Moses summoned Bezalel and Aholiab and every skilled person to whom the Lord had given an ability and who was willing to come and do the work. So you have these men. We don't hear any more about them. It's th- two verses, two or three verses in the whole Bible. These two men who bring their skills and their skill set are engraving, working with materials, artistic, creative, all for the glory of God, for the tabernacle. It's beautiful. And then they teach others to do it. So they're not only keeping their skills themselves, they're teaching other people to do it as well. Some of you sitting here might be creatives. Some of you are tradesmen and very, very good at it. Adam Dodds. (laughs) You might be practical workers. You might be using your skill set by using your hands. You might be building or creating or designing. The Bible shows us that is important to God. That is an important skill gift to have for the kingdom. Are you going to play your part with that gift? Are you going to play your part in his story? Are you willing to use what he's given you to serve him and play your part in history? Okay, we're going to move on to Samuel. Are you all with me still? Great. Okay, 1 Samuel. Now the spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. Saul's attendants said to him, See, an evil spirit from God is tormenting you. Let our Lord command his servants here to search for someone who can play the liar. He will play when the evil spirit from God comes on you, and you will feel better. So Saul said to his attendants, Find someone who plays well and bring him to me. Verse 18, one of the servants answered. Just sit on that for a second. One of the servants answered. I have seen a son of Jesse of Bethlehem who knows how to play the lyre. He is a brave man and a warrior. He speaks well and is a fine looking man. And the Lord is with him. Then Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, Send me your son David, who is with the sheep. So Jesse took a donkey loaded with bread, a skin of wine, and a young goat and sent them with his son David to Saul. David came to Saul and entered his service. Saul liked him very much. That was the beginning. (laughs) Saul liked him very much, and David became one of his armor bearers. Then Saul sent word to Jesse, saying, Allow David to remain in my service, for I am pleased with him. Whenever the spirit from God came on Saul, David would take up his lyre and play. The relief would come to Saul, he would feel better, and the evil spirit would leave him. Now before I want to go into the playing the part bit, obviously sometimes we read this scripture and we're like, what is that about? So I want to address the evil spirit that comes from the Lord. So I did a little bit of research, because obviously at face value we're like, 
an evil spirit from the Lord. How is that a thing? But it's actually that God allowed the evil spirit to torment Saul because Saul was being disobedient. So it wasn't that God has an evil spirit. <laughs> it was that, that actually Saul was disobedient and God allowed that because he was like, he needs to recognize who I am. And he wasn't walking in God's ways. And so God allowed him to be tormented. So his heart was moved back to God. So this is an important distinction. Evil spirits do not come from God. Okay, so when we read that, because I'm sure that a lot of people looked at face value and gone, that does not sound like the God I serve. Evil is not God, but God has the final say over what happens to us. He has the final say over what happens to us. So if there's recurring sin or there's ways that we're walking out, like Saul was, doing his thing, if we've got recurring sin and we are not, um, we are not addressing it, if we're being disobedient, for our sake, God will allow things to happen. For our sake. It is always to bring us back to him. Always. It's always about relationship. So we give the enemy... When we actually step out of God's will, we give the enemy permission to step in. That's very challenging what I'm saying right there, but actually we do need to recognize it because God is a just God. So if there is sin, we give the enemy legal rights if we continue to walk in disobedience. And that's what Saul was doing. And so God's like, okay, I'm going to let you experience this I'm going to let the enemy do whatever he wants to do but how beautiful that David could bring the presence of God into that space because that spirit could not stay in that same place yeah. when, the, when God's presence was there that spirit was gone yeah. and we have to remember that too we have to remember that too that God's presence there is no room for darkness when God's presence is around so let me go back to the story. I just wanted to touch on that because I didn't want to jump over the top of it. So back to the story, the unnamed servant. One of the servants answered, I know a guy who can play beautifully. He is a good man. He speaks well and the Lord is with him. This unnamed servant pointed to David and said, get him. He's got God. He's got God in him. He will be good here. He has no name. We don't even get given any, he don't even get given his name. And yet, that changed the course of history. That moment when David then came and stepped into, the, into that place with Saul, that started a whole chain of events. But it was all God, part of God's plan. It's part of God's story. And this person... I will, look for, I will look for him in heaven. I'll be like, I heard about you, you unnamed servant. What's your name? <laughs> he would have had a name. But he doesn't get named. But God used him to put David where he needed to be. God used him to bring David where David needed to be. Just a brief moment. Maybe some of you here have had moments like that where you've actually, you may have lifted somebody else up. Somebody may have come to you and said, I really need this. And you might have said, this person would be fantastic at that. You might not get any credit for that. You may have had no credit. 
Somebody might not even know your name. But God sees that. This unnamed servant was important to him. You are important to him. You have been positioned in this place for this time for God's reason and purpose. How good. How good. And you all have a part to play, whether your name is known or not. That's why I want to highlight that story because it actually shows that God will work with anyone who is willing to step in. And we don't get to get the whole story around that, whether he just had a thought or the Holy Spirit whispered to him. We don't know. We don't get that much information. But whatever it was, he stepped in and he highlighted David and God used that to position David in that place. Now, the last story I've got, I don't think I put it in here. Two kings? No, because I just want to tell you this story. Um, so this story is about a young girl. We have a young girl here. I, she's very precious. Um, so Naaman was a commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Now, back then, I mean, we almost had our version, you know, when... If you think back three years ago, if you heard anybody had COVID, we were all like, ah, you have COVID. Now today we're like, oh, Sol's got COVID, you're all right. Come out, come out anyway, doesn't matter. <laughs> we'll be right. But you know, back in the day, I'm not saying it's exactly the same as leprosy, but it, there were moments where it felt like if you have COVID, you just stay way, way, way away from me. So imagine that kind of vibes. So this soldier had leprosy and raiders had gone out Raiders from this king had gone out and taken a young girl from Israel, right? They'd captured her and she came back and served Naaman's wife. So he is very high up, commander of the army of the king. He's very high up. So this young girl has come to serve his wife. Now, that little girl, she had grown up in Israel, so she had faith. She would have known the God who healed the God who restores, the God who provides. She would have grown up with all that. So she says to her mistress, if only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. One line. If only he would go and see the prophet who lives in Samaria, he would be healed of his leprosy. That's not a tough line to say, is it? Really. It's not a tough line to say. There's nothing too complicated about that. But she was obedient and spoke it out. Now, I mean, if you stop and think about her position, she, that probably was very nerve-wracking, though, for her to say that. She was a servant in a household of important people. Not just a pleb on the, you know, that didn't have a place. This is important people. And she, but she spoke up. She played her part. So the, me, the message went from the mistress to Naaman, and Naaman went off to the king of Aram and told him what the girl from Israel had said. And the king's like, yeah, go. Off you go. Go get healed. Go get sorted out. So he went to see Elisha. The story is actually quite long, and that's why I'm just cutting it down a little bit because it's quite a long story, but go read it because it's fascinating. Uh, so he went to see Elisha. He said, go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan and your flesh will be restored and you'll be cleansed. So Naaman went and did it straight away. Not. <laughs> He was a bit cranky because he wanted it to happen right there and then. He's like, what do you mean? I haven't got time to go and wash myself. I want this to happen right here, right now. How many times are we like that? 
How many times are we like that? We're impatient. We're like, but God, you said. Sometimes God is gracious and he will do it on the spot. But Naaman was cranky. He was like, you have not done this. I thought this was what's going to happen. But he did eventually come around. And this is why I'm saying you should read the story because it went backwards and forwards a bit. But he eventually did what Elisha said. And the Bible says this. His flesh was restored and it became clean like that of a young boy. Wow, that is a miracle, hey? Not it kind of got okay. It became clean like that of a young boy. So this young girl, she played her part. She might have thought, I'm just a slave. I'm just a servant. I can't say anything. I've got no power. Again, whether the Holy Spirit stirred her, whether she heard a whisper, whether she just felt absolute compassion for him and was moved, he needs to be well, and I know someone that can help him. How beautiful that she played her part. She could have let that go. She could have gone, no, not my place. How often do we do that? It's not my place. But these decisions and acts of obedience in every single one of these stories has changed the course of history. Changed the course of someone else's life as well. Changed the course of someone else's life. So God's heart is that we all play our part so that others are introduced to the goodness of God, the love of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit and so that we remember and recognise we're part of his story and there is nothing like being in relationship with him. Nothing like that. I want to encourage you. We need to play our part. It doesn't matter how big or small it is. It doesn't matter how old or how young you are. It doesn't matter how long you've been saved or not. Everybody has to, gets to play a part. And I want you to remember we have an audience of one. We have an audience of one. He is the only one that matters. So when we're playing our part, he is the only one we should be listening to, really. It's only his opinion that matters. Maybe no one's seen what you do, but he has. Maybe no one has thanked you for what you do, but he does. Maybe no one on this earth can point to what you do or what you've done, but there may be names written in the book of life because you played your part in the story. That's a very cool thing. Um, I just want to take a minute. I just, there's a couple of other things I want to say, but before I say them, I just want to say that there are people here who over the last couple of weeks have lost someone that they really value and care about, friends that have died. And two people, one we knew very well and one I didn't know so well, but I know many of you here did. And I, I want to just take a minute to say, from what I gather from the person that we know, I know that he absolutely played his part and he walked out his faith till the moment, till right at the end. And I know that the other lady that's friends of yours did the same thing. And it's very hard to, it's very hard to, we have to understand that it doesn't, fit, it's not easy when someone passes away suddenly, as not expected. It is very hard to try and connect that up with the goodness of God. And yet, he is a good God. 
and those two people are absolutely face to face with their saviour and recognising the part they played, they will get to see the fruit of that. And that's very cool. So if nothing else, I, it makes me be reminded that I want to live my life to the full and I will not miss an opportunity to give glory to God or listen to the whisper and operate in obedience because that's what we're called to do. When I travelled to um, Narandra a few weeks ago, well, actually it was a couple of months ago now, <laughs> time was flying by, um, when you travel over the country like that, it's beautiful looking out over the fields when they've had rain, particularly. Obviously, when it's in drought, it's not so great. Um, but there is this patchwork of fields with patterns and, you know, they've, they've got... Uh, irrigation things all down the middle of them. There's water flowing through all these fields and they've been mowed different ways and they've been planted different ways and it's like a quilt and it is absolutely stunning. It's absolutely stunning. And it just reminded me that actually that is like us. That is like us. We all have a different thing to do. Every one of those fields have different things planted in them. They're not all the same. They've all got different crops some of them are lying fallow, right? Some of them have got nothing going on at the moment. Some of them have got fruit coming all over the place. But they all have a part to play because in the fallow moments, that soil is getting prepared and getting ready for the next harvest. So I want to encourage you, if you feel like you're in a space of fallowness, I don't know if that's a word, um, is it? Okay, all right. If you're in a place of fallowness, I want you to be encouraged that that is only, it's only a season. It's only a season because it is getting you ready for whatever else God's got for you. If you are a field at the moment that is absolutely flourishing and you've got stuff happening all over the place, that's fantastic. But actually, as, you look, as I looked down at those fields, I was like, there was hundreds of them. When you're going over the country, there's hundreds of them. And I was like... This is like us as the body. This is like the church. This is like us bringing who we are into the kingdom and serving God with our gifts. It's so good. So let me encourage you. I'm just going to finish off with this. If you have breath in your lungs, which I'm pretty sure everyone in this room does, otherwise we've got a problem. If you have breath in your lungs, you can be used by God. If you have a heart to serve God, you can be used by God. If you are willing to shift gear with God, to walk in humility and obedience, you can be used by God. How good is that? No one is discounted. So what is your part that you're being asked to play? And again, I'll just reframe. I'm not talking about getting on a roster. <laughs> I'm talking about how you use who you are, what is inside you for the kingdom to serve God, to play your part, to speak the word. I want to pray for us. I want to pray a blessing over you and me. And Lord, I thank you for that sunset. That is absolutely stunning. <laughs> We're always distracted by the sunset, aren't we? Maybe I am. Isn't that beautiful? Thank you, Lord. Yeah, it's just stunning. It's a great reminder that his handiwork is good and you are all his handiwork 
You've all been created and made by the one who has created and made that. That's beautiful. So let me pray for you. So if you want to just put your hands out, if you feel you're able to, you put your hands out to receive. God, I pray for each one of us here in this place that you will reignite the passion and a fire in us to serve you. God, that we will be willing to play our part, that we will not hold back, that we will step in when you ask us to. Lord, we ask you to help us to choose not to compare ourselves with others, but to be led by your Spirit, to listen to the whispers of the Holy Spirit, to not hold back or delay when you whisper to us. God, I ask that you will teach us and remind us to be the witnesses of your love and power in every moment of every day and to play our part in your story. Thank you, Lord, for those ones and twos that played their part. Thank you that even the one that we don't even know the name of played a part that set things in motion for David to step into his calling. God, I thank you that you are interested in the ones and the twos. You know our name. And I thank you that no one is discounted from being able to play their part. So God, I pray for blessing over each one of us. As we walk into this week, may we remember that you have called us. May we remember that we have been saved by grace. May we remember that we have a part to play that is unique to us. And you are the audience that we are working in front of. (laughs) So thank you, Lord, that it's just an audience of one. We want to serve you with everything that is in us and not miss any opportunity. So I pray blessing. I pray for clear ears open eyes for willing hearts to step into that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. How good. I think we're going to sing one more song to get us focused on him again. Thank you, Lord.